The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. This video won't make you change. It might motivate you for a little bit. But if you don't have that strong reason to change and to want to improve your life, you're not going to stick to it. First thing you need to do to improve your life is stop living in the past. Show me the past. Where is it? You can't even show me the past. You know why? Because the past does not exist. It's literally just a thought in your head. Like you're just thinking something and that thought is preventing you from planning your future. Do you not realize this? We cannot change the past or what happened to us or what we did. We cannot change anything. We're getting older and you choose to live in the past. Instead of focusing on the past, focus on your future. What do you want your future to look like? Do you have any goals? Are you trying to accomplish something? Because if you were, you would not be dwelling on the past. You know why? Because you have no time. You have things to accomplish. You have things to do. You can't focus on the past because you realize that if you want what you want so badly, the only way you can look is forward. There is no looking back. Forgive yourself. We all make mistakes. I have made the biggest mistakes ever. I have made mistakes so big till this day. But you know, I don't care, because I forgave myself. I came to the conclusion of like, you know what? People make mistakes. Would we be human if we didn't make mistakes? We're supposed to make mistakes, and we're supposed to learn from them. How can I grow as a person if I don't do anything wrong? How can I be perfect if I've never been imperfect before? The beauty is in being imperfect. The beauty is in making mistakes. The beauty is in doing the wrong things. Then looking back at it and saying like, you know what? I have grown so much and I'm so proud of myself. That's the beauty of making mistakes. So you have to forgive yourself. Something might have happened. It might have been your fault. You might have done something or somebody might have done something to you. But the only power you have right now is how you treat yourself afterwards and how you react to it. 
And you have to realize that in order to move forward in your life, you have to forgive yourself first. listening to the podcast that changed the game and rocked an entire profession and rocked an entire profession talking about shit in law enforcement that keeps poor leaders up at night when others run scared and hide behind fake policies the roll call room podcast tells it like it is no bullshit No matter how hard these thieves try, we keep killing it. And now, here are your hosts, Nick and Mark. Yeah, this itch is getting out of control. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) welcome to another episode of the Roll Call Room. I am one of your hosts, Nick. With me is my beautiful (laughs) co-host. Beautiful. Handsome. <laughs> I'm just gonna say beautiful. Yeah, got a head that looks like it wore out two bodies. <laughs> Damn. Right off the bat, folks. Self-deprecation. <laughs> this is what we do. You know, and coming off of good, good, good. There was another. Well, I was gonna say, there. welcome to the roll call room. <laughs> welcome to another action-packed roll call room. Yeah, yeah. As if the last episode, I got uh, several. Uh, communications uh we're talking about uh the cookouts <laughs> and 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 one one friend called and and he did that and he's like oh my god you guys nailed it and i said so um i said seriously uh, on a scale of one to ten ten being the greatest and one being a total pooch screw where do you rate the show he said a 9.5 oh we're gonna get to that i 10. said that's awesome <laughs> yeah i said good it's good to have goals so yeah yeah but anyway well it's it's funny because we're recording this and folks that don't know i mean we've talked about this before we we don't record them today and then release them today like we try and put them in the bank right so because i'm getting older um i tend to forget what order we've recorded these in so um (laughs) when i released uh cookouts I was worried that it was out of order because I had that one as the Mm. fourth one, uh, but it wasn't. It was the third one. And then a funny thing, and I I didn't message you this because I wanted to see your reaction on on live camera. You know, I told you (laughs) I told you in the cookout one that I submitted like a whole bunch of FOIAs, right? Mm -hmm. One of the FOIAs that I requested was emails between the sheriff of the city that I used to work with, uh, the sheriff that was my wife's sheriff. Well, he wasn't the sheriff when my wife was there. He was long story. Uh, he got a hookup sheriff job and I wanted an email. I wanted all the <laughs> okay. emails between him and this, this asshole that used to work for my department. That's now an under sheriff, like his number two guy. And oh, okay. yesterday, as it would be, because you know, the stars are all aligned and know when we're going to record these things. Yesterday, I get an email from the city of Alexandria telling me how much how much it's going to cost because you know sometimes it's a cost attached with a FOIA mm-hmm. how much it's going to cost to give me those emails and the mark it's it's very hard to 
really believe that a city or an agency is transparent when they do dumb shit like this. <laughs> so I, 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 are they printing them or, or don't they just email them to you in a PDF form? When I tell you, well, that, that they don't even print them. They, they put them all in a PDF form and then they email it to you through a secured server. Um, or you can request okay. for them to mail, mail them. That I would understand if it was a little bit higher of a cost because you got to have, you know, somebody sit there and print them out, like, you know, all mm -hmm. that stuff. When I tell you the cost that they sent over to me, this is the part that frustrates the shit out of me because you're not being transparent. It is legitimate 100% <laughs> that you're trying to discourage um, me from getting the information that I want. And instead of you saying no, because you know legally you can't do that, what you do is mm -hmm. you come up with this amount and then any illogical person would turn around and be like, I'm not going to pay that amount. And the amount right. is twenty twenty four hundred dollars <laughs> Where in so, the world do they so come so up with that amount of money? Yeah, I emailed was it, back was it, the Was it a dollar per word or what? At twenty four hundred dollars. Here's the here's the funny part. Was like two years ago, maybe three years ago, when I first left the department. Yeah, I requested all the text messages between certain people. Mm -hmm. That one was like eighteen hundred dollars or seventeen hundred dollars because it does require you to do a data dump on each phone, and there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of work involved right. in, in grabbing text messages. This one is emails, and it's twenty four hundred. I'm going to put the letter right here. I'm going to mm -hmm. I'm going to superimpose it right in between <laughs> you and I for the people that are watching video, just so you know that I'm not full of shit. But I got it, and I, I tell you, you know, three years ago, I would have fucking thrown my laptop across the the, the room because it's like. <laughs> It's like it's so obvious what you're doing. Uh, but for me, yeah. it's even more comedy goal for this show when they do dumb shit like that. Like when, oh, when, yes. I, when I dumped all the emails. And I think people are afraid to access the Dropbox link that I put up uh, on <laughs> social media. I, I promise you it's not some Nigerian prince that's trying, trying to scam you. Uh, peruse those documents. There's over 300 documents that I got. Uh, and that was ten dollars. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. I, so how was I, this twenty four hundred? Twenty four hundred dollars, Mark. I I I couldn't. At first, I thought it was twenty four dollars and fifty cents, <clears throat> and then I opened it up on my laptop because it was on my phone. <laughs> and I like looked at it, and I'm shaking my head. I'm in the middle of like watching a movie last night, and I'm shaking my head, and I'm like. You guys don't realize how much clowns you got, you look like when you do shit like that. Like, <laughs> and and they never will, Nick. the The problem is, is that like in my world, um, they they never take a good hard look, a good humble, not a hard look, a good humble look at themselves because they think that I am truly the greatest, and there yeah. is no better. And and in I always I'm a expert networker. And um, networking is the key to everything. So if you're a young officer listening, you know, keep your business cards with you and introduce yourself and hand that business card out because you never know when you, you know, you may need, need to make that connection.
But getting outside yep. my little world, uh, the people in which I had spent a career around didn't think the world existed beyond the borders of our county. And once you get outside that, you realize, oh, my God, there's a whole new world. And, and we have a large metropolitan area to the south of us here in Montgomery County and in the Dayton Police Department. And, you know, just great people down there and how they network and, and work with one another so well. I was really jealous mm-hmm. uh, in, in my area that everyone up here is like, oh, you're not putting your fingers in my rice bowl, you know, and, you know that was prevalent in some incidences and in other, in other words, no, but getting outside, um, this area and realizing how big the world really is and how, uh, well other agencies work together in our humble mm-hmm. and realize that, Oh yeah, yeah, they do a nice job over there or, you know, appreciating, um, someone who does something really well and say, you know, I, I want to do it like that guy. You know, so why don't we get with them and work with them and and uh, try and gain some of that knowledge? But a lot of times they get so close-minded within their own agencies, or they have the appearance that, oh yeah, we're going to work with you, but as soon as you shut the door, like fuck those guys, I can go suck a d. You know, it is what I heard a lot of. But yeah. uh, they, they get so full of themselves, they they forget that uh, you are a public servant. You know, you chose this job. Yeah. I <laughs> and think, whether you got a person like, we are absolutely the worst person to be on the outside <laughs> oh. needling to the inside because we know the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, what's even what's even worse, and and I can literally make a full-time job out of, out of like, uh, basically dog in my old department on social media like Mm -hmm. i literally and now and now uh swagger from uh spinning our gears is doing it yeah he's on he's on twitter like ragging my old department which is hilarious (laughs) um and it did they just make it so easy because they've done stuff for they've done stuff half-assed for so long and you can you can attest to this Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot as a sergeant. I've seen a lot as a sergeant. I've been in meetings. I've been in meetings where they've basically called the the public stupid, uh, and mm-hmm. and they do. They do think that the public is stupid, and that's when you're talking about the problem in law enforcement is is because the folks up top truly don't buy into community policing. They don't believe in it. They don't care about it. That agency specifically, uh, and so when they do stuff like this. It proves it. But when you're in it or when you're working for a department like that, you want to have faith because your your ideology is, is that there's no way a law enforcement agency uh, that's supposed to serve and protect and that's supposed to do all this. There's no way that they would retaliate against people. There's no way that they would prevent them from finding getting another job. There's no way that mm-hmm. they would do illegal shit. And then you see stuff like this and you're like. This is comical. Like it's, it's it's literally comical. I just brought it up on my on my phone. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can read that. Will it zoom? I don't know. Is that no, clear? It's all, or is it's, it cloudy? It's all blurry. Hi, hydroglyphics. <laughs> yeah, it says yeah. twenty four hundred twenty four hundred and fifty dollars to fulfill your request. Uh, twenty four hundred and fifty dollars. I, I it's it's just so they gonna take but payments on that over the next. 24 years, like a dollar a year or something, $10 a year. 
you scroll down, it says, <laughs> we may we may require advance payment when the charges are over $200. And I emailed back the, the, um, the, the city attorney's office, David Lanier at the city attorney's office, and I said, give me a breakdown of how that cost came up. Just give me a breakdown. Yeah. How did you come up with $2,450? Give me a breakdown. That, that was my thing. And Where did you come like, up with this number? Oh, well, uh, you know, processing and, and, and no, 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 no. You, there has to be a, a labor attached to it. There has to be some sort of breakdown of how you came up with $2,450. Mm. Um, because pulling emails is not yeah, difficult. Yeah, I mean, you literally put is the there that many emails into the server and you pull all of their freaking emails. It's not difficult. I've seen it done before. It's not hard. $2,450 is ridiculous. I was like, Mark was so unhappy about. Um, my FOIA thing, <laughs> we lost connection with them. I think Spectrum was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the Alexandria City Police Department tapped into our, our web so. services. <laughs> but I, I digress, man. I don't, I don't want to turn a, another episode into uh, cookouts. I think fundamentally, I think that's what people were happy with. I think they were happy with the fact that we're we're calling out the hypocrisy of certain things like, you know, instead of um, having a, a community policing unit that's out there every day talking to people, their idea is, is let's just do one cookout. We can touch, you know, maybe a hundred community members um, and then we don't owe them anything for a couple of months. And that's right. always been the strategy. Every department is the same way. They go, let's just have one big event. We could touch everybody. Um, and then we, we don't have to go back into that neighborhood for a while. They'll be happy. That'll, that'll settle things down and you're not getting it. You're not getting, you're not understanding what the meaning of community policing is. Exactly. And again, we don't want to make this cookouts 2.0, but the point I was trying to make was that if you are already embedded in those neighborhoods and if you're already out there doing your job, you don't, the, the cookout should be something you do just once a year. Um, you know, like the excellent work that Kelly did when she worked for me, you know, her, uh, CRU community relation unit meetings, we had 15, 20 people there every month. And, uh, you know, she spread them out throughout the month. So we didn't have the hordes. She took care of three neighborhoods herself and, uh, was like begging, trying to get other people to, uh, get involved there at the PD. And I mean, we're a small city. I mean, we're only, we're less than 10,000 people. And 20 yeah. officers. So, you know, she could have handled the whole thing herself, but they're like, oh, well, let's spread it out so everyone else can, because they were like, well, this is going to be fun. Everyone's going to want it. It's like, no, you know, you have to have a, you have to be that specialty person to want to yeah. do that. It's like working in the schools. I had absolutely no desire to be an SRO, you know, because, you know, I, I, I guess I was forever a midnight sergeant. <laughs> You know, well, that I, was my role, dude. Yeah. What I what I learned what I learned running community policing was everybody wants to wear the t shirt, but nobody wants to go on the ride. Exactly. That, exactly. That's what it is. Well you said. Yeah. You get commanders that when you're in strategy meetings to do these cookouts or to do mm -hmm. these community events, they're like, No, 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 I want to be there. And then they show up with their shiny shoes on. They they have they're not there for any manual labor. 
No. Right? So they're not going to help you unload the grill from the trailer. They're not going <laughs> to unpack food. They're not. They're all they're there to do is to smile and wave. And it mm-hmm. was super irritating because I ran a crew of 12, 13 officers in the community policing. They're sweating their ass off. They're working their ass off. They're there an hour after the event is over mm-hmm. cleaning up. And mm-hmm. these commanders are drop and go gone, gone. Yeah. And the reason why I put the FOIA in on the last one about where they were getting the funds for this, because the public doesn't truly understand if the, the police department truly cared about community policing, there would be a dotted line in their budget, their annual budget for community mm-hmm. events. And there is yes. not. And that's why they have to solicit for funds to go mm-hmm. buy hot dogs and buns and all these different things. And the bottom line is, is in almost every police department's uh, general orders, you are not allowed to solicit for funds while you're on, while you're on duty. And in right. this FOIA, it's going back and forth using department city emails back and forth to the to the police foundation, to other foundations, mm-hmm. to other organizations. And what gets even better is the police foundation as a as a 5013C, you're not allowed to solicit funds from another 5013C. It's illegal. Right. You can't do yeah. that. You, you can't borrow from Peter it, to pay Paul. Right. And I when I was the community policing sergeant, I worked with the community the the police foundation who was a part of my investigation to get rid of me. Um, they, they were doing that constantly. They were constantly mm-hmm. soliciting funds from other 5013Cs. And nobody, well, it's touches, they, them. nobody right. touches them because they're a police foundation. Exactly. And that's what uh, my colleague was saying was that uh, we're the police. We don't have to worry about this. It's like, well, now you're kind Until of falling you out. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, and check I got, yourself, I ladies got, and gentlemen. And I got no email. I, I got no email back from the city manager. I got no email back from the city uh, council. I got no email back from the dork mayor of the city. Mm-hmm. Everybody's mum. Everybody's quiet. And for a really, really strong liberal city, a democratic mm-hmm. city, it's a astounding that when you are crucifying other politicians for doing stuff that's a lot less than that mm-hmm. and you say you're a transparent city it's right it's hypocrisy well, it, it's at it, its best exactly it's the hypocrisy of it and that's where um i feel that we'll be that that uh lighthouse you know, for those of us that find ourselves with suddenly these people decide to put a crosshair on a good person's mm-hmm. back. And how, how do you combat these people? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you beat them after not in order to say beat them? You want to defend yourself and defend yourself with honor and integrity. You know, um, Lord knows our stories are horrendous and, mm-hmm. and no officer should ever have to go through that. I mean, we both wor- have worked I worked in corporate America. I own my own business. I was a politician. No way in hell did you ever treat people the way that some of these agencies treat their folks. And then they sit back and they wonder, why do we have trouble recruiting? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've no way I ever wanted to recruit anybody. I Hell, when I was happy in my job, shit, I, it's the best fucking job in the world. And it was the best fucking job in the world. 
because I love doing it. I love, love, love doing my job. Um, until it, until it wasn't, I mean, the last two years was absolutely the most miserable experience of anyone's life. And I'm like, only in government would this be allowed to go on, which is sad. Um, mm-hmm. cause you're taking good people and then you sit back on, Whoa, why doesn't anyone want to do this job? So you got people dialing into the roll call room and listening to us and I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> what do I want to do that for? I can go drive a truck and make that kind of money. Right. Good. And I would, I mean, I would theoretically, you know, the, the roll call room was started for, for law enforcement, for folks, crusty ass folks like you and I, <laughs> but more and more, I want the public to watch this stuff because they're getting to see behind the curtains. They're getting to see the things like when you see social media posts from agencies like, I don't know, Alexandria City Police Department. When you see <laughs> posts where they're celebrating 18 new recruits mm. and as a citizen, you're going, yeah, 18, we're getting 18 people to hit the street. You are really not smart. Because what you're not realizing is, is how did it get to the point where we're, where we're putting 18 officers in the academy? Mm-hmm. That is not attrition. That is, yeah. not, that is not retirement replacements. 18 people did not retire. Two, right. three a year, if you're lucky, if you're lucky. So 18 is a, an alarming concern. And then the other thing is, and Mark, you know this as well as I do, is the percentage that will drop out, leave, or get fired within the first 18 mm-hmm. months is over 50%. It's over 50%. Oh, yeah. Especially in this area that I live in, in Northern Virginia, where you can literally throw a stone and there's another agency. And every mm-hmm. single one of them pay better than the Alexandria City Police Department. These folks are just, they were the bot, they were... They met the minimum requirements to get a law enforcement job. They couldn't get hired at other agencies around the city of Alexandria. But as oh, soon as they okay. get their certification, yeah, that's been that's been Alexandria City's problem since I got there, which was you have agencies that are paying fifteen grand more a year, but their their hiring is extremely stingent. It's it's very very difficult to get in. But the moment right. you get that law enforcement certification. You know, you're you got you're the golden goose. You're the golden egg, man. Like you, you can get in, but you just got to do a year or two, and then you jump over. Mm. So, as a citizen, you should be you should be more in tune with what's going on with your staffing. Well, and and there's where ninety nine percent of the people don't give a fuck because I can tell you how many times no, that I've sat through council meetings and, and, and we talked to an empty room and we occasionally people yep. came to council meetings when they were pissed off. Um, in my yep. little village, um, I, and, uh, my good friend from the village next to us, uh, he was the, uh, administrator slice city manager over there. And we were thinking that, uh, we we're talking about trash. Okay. I was the trash czar for our little village. And I was going to say, fuck it contract. Cause we had an old truck, you know, and, and the system kind of needed revamped. And where I'm going with this is sometimes you have to look outside the box. And when we talk about mm-hmm. citizens caring, and this is cause I, I just recently threw my hat in the ring for another political position here locally. And, um, I said, you know, they said, well, we, we've never seen you at a meeting. I said, no, because I trust you people to be doing the right thing. I voted for you, sir. 
uh, specifically, and, and one of the trustees that I spoke with that uh, I have an association with, I said, because I trust your judgment. If I don't trust your judgment or if I have a problem, I'll show up. And that's generally the the uh, how it works. And most people, you know, you call 911, a cop shows up. They really don't give a shit about the inner workings of the police department, although they should. They should be taking a better look or having more interest in uh, what's going on. And then you have the problem, like with my friend up in Cleveland. And uh, I'll try and send you some of those videos. The Cleveland Police Department put together a citizen review board. Mm-hmm. that uh he had shared on social media that actually erupted into a uh almost a fist fight between two of the citizens <laughs> it was Lord. a mess it was an absolute mess these people i mean they were talking over one another they're screaming at one another there was no order to the meeting whatsoever and, and this guy's like oh and here's our citizen review committee but uh, where do you find the balance? And the balance is, is, is I feel that um, I like your theory on how to hire the chief. I think the chief should be elected by their citizenry, not appointed mm-hmm. by the council. I think that yep. the chiefs need to, you know, we need to see how, how oriented are you to the city? You know, not one of these people that's, you know, hey, I got a chief here at a small village and now I'm going to step up to a small city and I call them chief shoppers. <clears throat> yep. You know, they um, they they travel the country, they travel the area and they they just constantly want to get that bigger department. Um, we had a guy here locally that that did that and I think he ended up at some university uh, as a chief of police there, but. I think he was even the, yeah, he was the chief of Cleveland for a short period of time, but you know, they quickly, you quickly figure out these people that are in way over their head. These people that talk the talk, yeah. they can't walk it. And we need to get the walkers out there. We need to get the people that's in uh, leadership positions, management positions to actually care about the people. You need to be people first. Cause if you're not people first, they're not going to stay. That's just, that's just simply how yeah. it is. Yeah, I mean, we saw it. We saw it in uh, and and shout out to our to our NYPD folks that listen. Uh, You know, we saw it with the with the outgoing or she's gone now. um, Sewell with the uh, police commissioner for NYPD. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was a political appointee by the mayor, and now they're they were dubbing her the acting police commissioner because she had absolutely no power because of the mayor of New York was not allowing her to do her job. Wow. She was not allowed to make promotions without his approval. She wasn't allowed to reprimand uh, her, her uh, rank and file without his approval. And that's at its highest. I mean, that's the largest law enforcement agency aside from LAPD. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that doesn't tell you that the system is broken, uh, the pol- the police chief or the police commissioner should never, ever report to a politician because ever. a politician and we can all see recently politicians, politicians can't be trusted. It doesn't matter what aisle, what side of the aisle you vote on. I personally don't want my public safety run by somebody that changes with the wind. Right. Um, and it happens all of the freaking time. It happens all of the time. And, and I've had people email in about that ideology of having an elected, which is basically a sheriff. Yes. But the but the, the pros of having a sheriff style leader outweigh the cons 
because you know you only have to deal with them for three years or whatever right. your your municipality's um, you know rank whatever their their office term is. Um, but I would much rather that I'd much rather have the ability to vote that fucker out. Um, yeah, and and those that that have not worked under a terrible terrible chief. You don't know. Like, that could be 15 no. years of that shit. That could right. be. And the problem is, is that when they leave, they've already imprinted the the next bunch of leaders behind them. When a sheriff comes in yes. or an elected comes in, they fucking hand out pink slips like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. They, they, mm-hmm. they're for like a couple of days in, in office. They're like, you are no longer the under sheriff. You are no longer a captain. You are no longer a lieutenant, and so on and so forth. Um, and it and it serves its purpose. It serves a, it serves a good purpose. I just I think as part of pol- let me give the quotations police reform. <laughs> that's what needs to be looked at as well. Because um, I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. When you uh, when you when you talk about police reform, there everybody automatically thinks about the officer on the street. That's what mm-hmm. they think. Yes. Um, you know. So, a good, good question to you because you've been you've been around for a hundred years. Um, okay. When do you think policing started to shift? When when was when was the time when you started to think it started to shift? Mm, that that is a great question, um, and that's come up. Uh, a wise man told me about it. <laughs> We should start doing a segment called Ask Nick or something like that. Ask the roll call room and have people uh, yeah. comment on social media, whatever. When do, when do I think the shift came? I think the shift came around 2012 um, in, in, was, in that era, about 10 years Ferguson? ago. Um, yes, exactly. Ferguson, right no, after Ferguson that. Wasn't that. Mm, let's Google it real quick. Was Ferguson... T- that long ago? Yeah, I was doing the same thing. Both of us, old fucking <laughs> okay, people. Okay, well, you go ahead and Google it, and I'll continue talking. But I think it, I think it occurred then. I think when, um, actually, when Lexapol started hitting the, uh, and remember, everyone, a lot of these managers have that hive mentality. So we were talking about cookouts earlier, and my colleague was talking about how many people now have cookout trailers versus food trucks just to go out and do the cookouts in the neighborhood. So they went and spent a bunch of money and did that. So you have that hive mentality. So then uh, there's another company called Lexapole that's a, uh, if you haven't heard of it, and there's nothing against the company. They they do an excellent job of unifying or uh, standardizing policy and procedure. And when you start doing that, I think it, these people think that if you're not accredited, which accreditation is where you have a certain set of policies and procedures. And what that does is that, hopefully lowers your city insurance rates. But what Lexapol does is that it's 100% customized to your agency. And I think that's what a lot of people is like, well, the policy says this. And since they're so immersed in what the policy says versus what's good for your officer or, you know, hey, what is what is our mantra here on the, on the uh, roll call room? is police suicides are, are ridiculously high and they're ridiculously high because there's people that quit caring about you. Yep. And when you start immersing yourself in nothing but your policy, well, the policy says that you're going to get this boom. And then they start over disciplining people. Yep. And so you take a guy that's already ate up 
and it, I'm just talking about me. You take a guy that's already had 28 years of trauma under their belt, and now you want to start hammering nails, you know, yep. for minor infractions. Well, you know, that was a good job, but you said fuck on your body cam, so we're going to give you some discipline out of this. You do realize we were in the middle of a of a disturbance. Sometimes you have to speak to people in the language in which they're used to being spoken to. You know, yep. so you didn't hear me dropping F-bombs on this program, do you? I mean, seriously, one may slip out once in a while, but, you know, I don't swear a lot. But sometimes at I night think- when you're out there, look, motherfucker, you know, <laughs> you can yeah. turn the asshole switch on. So yeah. I know I kind of went around the uh, the rabbit hole a little bit here, but when you get into that high mentality and when did the switch occur, I think it was the combination of, was Ferguson back then? Is that when so the I looked was? it up. You were very close. It's 2014, but I think okay. you're. I think you're spot on because the powder keg was starting to yes. build up before that because there were race relations. There were other things that were going on before 2014, and Ferguson just kind of was the catalyst. I yeah. think anywhere geographically that was doing what Ferguson was doing, it was going to mm-hmm. happen. If yeah. it wasn't if it wasn't Ferguson, it was going to be Minneapolis. If it wasn't Minneapolis, it was going to be Chicago. If it was, I mean, the laundry list goes on. But what Ferguson was doing, and those of you that don't have not educated yourself on that whole situation, what the town was doing, what the town of or city of Ferguson was doing to their to their community, was unbelievable, and they mm-hmm. were basically using the police department as a revenue generator. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were crushing people that were below the poverty level mm-hmm. and they were writing tickets based on revenue and they had had enough. Now, let me pause there. That does not excuse the manner in which the citizenry reacted. Ferguson was no. by far the worst tactical um, riot uh, deployment. That went on for far too long, mm-hmm. and it, and I mean we could that could be a whole other episode. It definitely displayed how inexperienced the police chief, who was there for thirty plus years, how terrible of a leader he was. Yeah, he didn't make a public statement in the first twenty four hours. He didn't calm anything down. If anything, he exacerbated it. Mm-hmm. He he refused to ask for help by state yeah. police. He refused to ask for mutual aid. And they burned that fucking city down. Yeah. Uh, and then he and then they hung Darren Wilson, the, the police mm-hmm. officer that shot Michael Brown, justifiably, according yes. to the FBI, justifiably hung him out to fucking dry. When it was when he when he knew it was it was far gone. Like he knew the city was burning. And everything you're saying is the premise of this show. This is yeah, a long term chief who's been in there too long. Uh, yeah. Hey, like that. So I feel like I'm word selling. He's he's there too long. He's too comfortable. Nothing's changed. He's created a, an environment. Everyone he's brought up underneath him has, has left. You know the city um, administration, the council, and the like. They they're like, oh well, you know, he's been here so long, so no one ever challenges him. You know, it's just like in the detective section where some of these agencies, you know, uh, have a three to five year rotation. You can only be in the bureau so long. Because after you're in there so yep. long, you get soft. You you lose your yep. fire. You lose your hunger. 
uh, of course, the other side of the coin as well. But you're working on these cases and you have all the experience. Yeah, I get that if you're a homicide detective with a large agency. Right. I get that. But, you know, the, right. the yin and the yang is, is that you need to be fresh and you need to have that constant rotation. It should be there, there should be term limits there. I mean, if you've been the chief yeah. for over 10 or 15 years and it's all up to your own agency, but what are you doing that's new? What are you doing that's innovative? And there was a, a local agency here that was just writing tickets for revenue. That's not what you're there for. You're not it's there to raise money. Yeah. You know, that's why yeah. in my city, we wrote more warnings than we did tickets. You know, if you're 20 over yeah. in a school zone, yeah, brother, you're getting a ticket. Sorry. You know, but I never apologized for it. But, you know, you get just as much enforcement out of a warning as what you do a ticket. And if, if you're using your law enforcement as a revenue generating, well, you've simply lost why you're here. Yeah, and, and that person should have been fired. That that chief should have been and shut it, at the door. It always made me laugh. And I'm going to pick on motor officers for a minute. It always made me <laughs> laugh because they were so ticket driven. <laughs> That's and what then, they like, do. Yeah, yeah, but they're so ticket driven. Like their 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 quotas and 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 mm-hmm. just their internal competitions on who writes yeah. the most amount of tickets. And then oh, you yeah. like then if you educated them on how much of the the fine actually goes to the agency by the time yeah, yeah. this by, like ten dollars if that if that the like, court gets all the, the money court the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they get like five percent of that. Right. Uh, it's so minuscule. So you're out there, you're busting your ass, you're in the fucking freezing cold or or the heat, and you're in your your fucking boots that are up to your knees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you're out there, you know, Joe Motor Cop fucking writing a hundred tickets, and realistically, what you're putting into the bank is like twenty bucks a month. You yeah. know, it's like it's yeah. like take it easy buddy you do some educating do some prevention um it goes a long 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 way um, yeah and a lot of these videos that you see of things that go um uses of force that happen be- as a result of traffic stops i gotta tell you man a lot of the videos that i'm watching recently the justification for the traffic stop itself is not lawful it's not a it's not a lawful traffic stop and citizens are become they're not like when you and I were, were doing traffic stops where the public right. was not educated at all. There are people that know the traffic law better than than a 10, 15 year. Oh, cop. yeah. Uh, it, it's like here is CCW the is the big thing. Well, that yeah. and the big yeah. one is, is running people's <laughs> license plates random randomly. Um, and yeah. citizens are like. Why are you running my plate? Well, because I can. Mm-mm. No, you can't. Yeah, no, license can't. plate bingo shouldn't be the reason why you're out there no. making traffic like, stops. You do take an NCIC certification every year. It says on there that you're mm. not allowed to just run random plates and base a traffic stop off of information that you get from it. From it. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You right. can't do that. My it former makes me agent. laugh. Yeah, keep it makes going, me laugh because I see big, big cases, like uh, old cases of like Timothy McVeigh from the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, It was a local cop that stopped him on a traffic stop, and yeah. he had to wait for him to have a traffic violation. <laughs> he did the smart thing. He didn't just right. run the tag and then turn yeah. around and go, I'm going to pull this fucking car over. Because you never know the stupid decision that you make based on an unlawful traffic stop could result in a suppression Mm-hmm. And suppresses everything in that vehicle. 
You could catch Ted Bundy. Right. And because of your stupidity, everything gets tossed out. Well, uh, it's it, it, it's funny you say that because we had a local. Uh, uh, this wasn't this wasn't an error, so I'll I'll skip that case. But you know, I teach stops and approaches, and that's one of the cases we talk about. Was a hey, you know, the Oklahoma City bomber was found out of a traffic stop. It's like, well, yeah, but if you make good traffic stops, you don't have to worry about if you have good probable cause. I would yeah. always go with PC over reasonable suspicion in any traffic stop. I mean, the reasonable suspicion is. Okay, so you got detectives following this guy, yada, 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 I get it. And you need a marked unit to stop it. But, the, you know, that threshold is much, much higher than the probable cost threshold. Um, but but if you're making good traffic stops, and where when you were speaking, I had an officer that I, I was in charge of there for a while, and that's all he did was play license plate bingo on the interstate entrance ramp. You know, and then here we go, because I had a shit ton of his videos, because he had to get over 100 miles an hour to catch up to these people. And I'm like, dude, you need to find another MO. This is getting old. Yeah. What do you mean, Sarge? I'm stopping dopers. And I'm like, bro, you're getting a fucking dime bag and, you know, a single hit of fucking meth or whatever out of the car. I get it. You know, I get it. You're not wrong. But you need to start making better decisions. And the decision right. is, is that, yeah, these folks don't have the money to be fighting you on a suppression hearing. And, you know, you're stopping the car because you ran to play and they're driving under suspension or it's expired. You're not seeing that going by. And, and you're just yeah. sitting there running the plate. Just stop. Do something else. Find something else to do. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a third rail conversation because you get 50% of the people that are like, don't agree with that ideology. And then the other 50% are like, I wait for, I, I mean, I wait for a traffic violation in, in the state, in the yes. Commonwealth of Virginia, the traffic violation code book is, is this thick. It's three yeah. inches thick. It's like you farting in your own seat. And- <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, they got codes, they got codes still on there from the 1800s. Probably. So you can find something, you can find something, but it's amazing because you watch these videos and I try not to watch them because they just, they get me amped up because I want to agree with the officers, but like the First Amendment uh, auditors, you know, we've oh, talked about this all. Oh, goodness. Life. Yes. It's 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 so freaking bad because they know the law better than you know the law. And and Absolutely. you saying that that's not the case, you're ignorant because these po- these this is their full time job. They have done nothing but research what public property is, what government property is. Mm-hmm. So when one of these when one of these cats turn around and tells you that they're on public property, yeah, you bet. Take a pause before you wind up on their video. <laughs> take a breath, bro. These because folks, ninety nine, uh, yeah, but they're ninety nine point nine percent of the time they're correct. We had we had a bunch of two A people came through here a while ago, and they were doing videos. And you know these these guys would get a little contempt of copish, and you know make a bad arrest, and that's all they want. We've talked about that before on the program. But these two these uh, First Amendment auditors, you know, I came across a few of those videos. I'm like, this is outrageous. But I think that uh, now that I'm not on the job anymore, that I'm not considering them enemies in. I, I kind of look at them as like, remember the movie uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, Catch Me If You Can? Yes. Where DiCaprio was a uh, check forger and uh, Tom yep. Hanks's character worked for the FBI. Yeah, great, great film. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, but in the end, what did DiCaprio's character end up doing? 
he ended up working for the FBI, showing them, hey, look, check this out. This is what I did. And they paid him. So in that sense, I'm like, don't discount these citizens that are being critical of you and your job. Because I I was that cop, and and, and I had one of these 2A guys start citing, did you know? I'm like, no, dude, I don't. And I appreciate you for bringing that to my light. But here's why I'm here today, bro. It's because you're walking up down the street with an AR slung. I get it. Yeah, you have every right to do it. And I'll talk to my person, but this is a couple things I need from you, and you can be on your happy way. And I told him, I said, I know why you're here. You're here because you want me here. (laughs) and wherever your buddy is with the camera hi i kind of waved at him i said you're not gonna get a rise out of me bro and yeah you can educate me all you want and and thank you for that because i'll take my job up to the next game and what i told people in my state i said do you realize the higher rise code uh if you set it up side by side it'll fill a wall in a room that's Mm -hmm. how much codes in there i don't know at all i know two sections 45 and 29 other than that you can break down administrative code three ways to Sunday, and I'm not going to memorize that. Not doing yeah. what I do as a patrol sergeant. But the best thing to do is make good decisions, and I think you were right there. When they start quoting stuff to you, take a pause. Take a pause. Write it down. And and you and I have talked offline is, is that now if I was a sergeant out on the street and I encountered one of these uh, 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 First Amendment auditors, I would literally say to them, hey, listen. Everything that you're saying, you're probably 100% right, and this is what I want to do. I want to get your information, and this is not for me to put it into a database, or just don't give me your information. Give me a date and a time, right. and you pick the location, and I want to get my old, my whole squad out here, and I want you to educate them. Yeah, I want you to educate them because this is phenomenal training. This is phenomenal training. It serves the purpose of what you're trying to do. You're trying to keep us honest, and I want to be honest. And you don't see that on the videos. What you mm-hmm. see is first you get officers that are as soon as this person requests to see their supervisor, they're like, no. And you're Fuck like, you. yeah, <laughs> like, dude, he's asking for a supervisor. It's in your general orders. Majority of the time it's in your general orders. You either have to give your your immediate supervisors information or they need to get their ass out there and talk to this person. Or the, I the, am the supervisor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Highest, Who's yours? <laughs> yeah. I'm the highest you're going to go. That's yeah. my favorite. I love that. Yeah. Like, even in the corporate world, when you complain, somebody's like, I'm the highest person you're going to talk to. Okay, buddy. You know that there's Twitter and LinkedIn, right? <laughs> I can find who your, who your CEO is. Right. Right. But, I, I I mean just to just to kind of wrap wrap up our our episode because I would label this one our ADHD episode. Um, actually, that's what I'm going to label this one ADHD episode. Um, yeah, I I think what we prim- primarily talk about on this show is is educating yourself and giving you the resources that you need to get. Things are becoming more complex now because you're not only getting it from the knuckleheads on the street or some of these folks that are trying to go you. Yeah. But what you're not understanding is is that you can do everything right with those folks on the street. The mm-hmm. moment you get into headquarters, then you've got to worry about getting stabbed in the fucking back by your uh, command staff. Uh, so you need to educate yourself. Yes. In both ways and be smart about everything. Only yeah. thing on the, um, 
on the like the 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 first amendment people in the two A is is everyone plays that video from west is it west memphis mm-hmm. where uh those uh they were from ohio springfield to be exact um they were um what do we call them dang i want to try the tip of my tongue um the ones that you know, my laws don't apply your laws don't apply to me oh yeah sovereign um, city sovereign, sovereign citizens yeah they, they were sovereign citizens and and uh this guy sidetrack the officer with you know my reciprocity this that and the other while the son was in there loading the gun up so be smart and and if you're stopped for you know headlight out or stay on that subject don't let don't you you have to find that balance keep yourself safe primarily um listen to the message i mean that there at the roadside isn't the time to solve it take care of what business you need to take care of and if they aren't yeah. being compliant, again, get that supervisor out there, get them tuned in and, and get yourself some help out there. So you're safe and your safety is number one. Yeah. And I, and, and I take offense to you talking about my, my, um, my sovereign city, <laughs> folks, sovereign citizen, folks, because I am, I am an Alexandria city police officer, sovereign, sovereign police officer. <laughs> I don't follow their policies. <laughs> I don't follow their rules. Yes. Uh, but I have my shadow box. So isn't, uh, isn't it funny uh, or amusing how, you know, no, the policy doesn't apply to me anymore. And uh, we had a, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of, I shouldn't say we had, we had, it's that attitude that once you leave that those people suddenly think that that still applies to you. No, it don't fucker. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> if I see you out, I can flip you off and you can't do a goddamn thing about it. Cause you know what? If you flip it back, I'm going to file a complaint. Yeah. My, 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 I, and we've talked about this before and then we'll wrap it up as is, is I used to be afraid to run into folks from my old agency. Cause I live in Copland in, yeah. in Virginia. So all of my former uh, coworkers live where I live I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. I actually love it because if I ran into them, I would literally curse them out in public. Like, <laughs> like make a scene. Right. Like, I've already told my daughter because I'm always with my daughter. I've always told my daughter if that happens, I want you to record it right away. Yeah. So that I can have it because I won't think to record it. Right. And I'm just going to dog them in public. <laughs> I'm going to dog them. So the ones that are listening to this, because I know that you are. <laughs> well, yeah, we know you're um, listening. And good morning. Beware. <laughs> beware. Uh, but that being said, uh, folks, we um, want to say thank you for listening. And don't forget that if you go to manscaped.com and you use code Roll Call Room, you get 20% off. Uh, we push it because we care about your balls. <laughs> your balls will thank you later. Yes. Uh, <laughs> don't forget that we uh, we have swag. Uh, so go on rollcallroom.com. We have uh, cups and shirts now. So, um, you know, help keep the show going. Um, you know, things get pricey. Inflation is high. So, uh, you know, help out. Help out and, um, you know, check out our Patreon uh, Mark and I will be putting together some exclusive content. We got some cool things coming for our Patreon uh, subscribers. So make sure you're doing that. And if you need to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at nick at rollcallroom.com. And then I turn it over to Mark. Mark. Mark with a C at rollcallroom.com. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So don't put a K because it goes to the whitelist and it never comes through. 
Um, everyone be safe out there. Uh, we appreciate those of you still serving, especially for midnight crews that are listening to this and, and enjoying it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you are appreciated, even though your uh, command staff doesn't tell you on a daily basis, as they should. Uh, then they should tell you face-to-face, not through an email. Um, mm-hmm. We appreciate you and uh, keep doing the right things out there. And, and we're here as a resource for you. So if you got something sideways that sounds fucked up, send us an email. We'll be happy to uh, give you our input on it. Be safe. Get sleep. If you work that 20 hours of overtime, be sure to take that 20 hours of comp time and spend the time uh, with the people that love you because the job doesn't. The job won't ever love you back. Remember the four F's, friends, family, faith, and favorite activities. Let's get back to doing them or keep a good balance between work and life to keep your head healthy. Awesome. All right, folks, that'll uh, do it for this episode. Take it easy and have a good one. Hey, Mark, um, I heard about your visit to the White House and what they found. Think you're going to be okay? (laughs) Well... Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma.